Welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. We're keeping you on your couch, but hey, you know what? It's a good place when you've got some good movies. I'm Bex Perfect. I'm Van Connor, and yes, you know what? Good movies are uh, are a fleeting thing. Do you know what? I, I got to watch Alien Nation last night, uh, which we talked about last yeah. week. Yeah. Big fan of Alien Nation. Forgotten how great Mandy Patinkin is in that movie. You know Mandy Patinkin from, I think we all now know, from Homeland, I think. Ah, okay, because I was going... Saul? Is he Saul in Homeland? Yes, yes. God, he's great in Homeland. Now you say it. I was thinking of a woman for some reason. (laughs) I was... More often than not, people tend to think of the Princess Bride with Mandy Patinkin. Yes. Unless you're me, in which case it's Chicago Hope from the early 90s. Ah, I loved Chicago Hope. And also, Chicago Hope's great. I didn't realise this, that um, ER had garnered a massive 124 Emmys over its entire lifetime. It went on for about 20 years. I know, but it sounds like it's a lot of Emmys. <laughs> it did. It, it won a lot. I remember, though, because we tend to forget that at the time that ER sort of started out, it was the runner-up in the popularity contest. Its rival show was Chicago Hope, and yeah. that was more popular. Crazy. As, would you believe it by today's standards? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But you know what? As much as we love to talk about the latest hospital dramas, what we are doing is actually focusing on film. So we're going to bring you right back down with the big new releases this week we're kicking off with amy poehler's film uh moxie which i have to say both van and i very much enjoyed um it follows a teenager who is inspired by her mum's rebellious past and a new confident friend um to really publish a new anonymous zine and i'd never heard of a zine before this movie um and it's calling out all of the sexism that's at her school can i sit with you guys yeah sure Uh, Oh, and thanks for giving me this. I really needed a sign from the universe that there were actual humans here. (laughs) What is that? Uh, I I don't know. I I found it in the girls' bathroom. It's a zine. In the Bay Area, there are tons of them at shows, but it's the first time that I've seen one here. Sorry, we are not the Bay Area. So, are you guys going to do the thing that it says for tomorrow? It says to draw hearts and stars on your hands to show support. Yeah, I was going to do it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Why? What do you mean, why? Well, I mean, like, what's the goal? Revolution, baby. Revolution, baby. This is a movie not without a certain amount of timeliness and topicality. Yeah. Um, it, I love that, you know, it does embrace, you know, the, the, the societal norm of young Gen Z, you know, high schoolers embracing old school media tactics and using the zine culture as a way of spreading what's effectively a manifesto. Um, there are, first of all, let's get to the, the, the Amy Polar sized, uh, Amy Polar shaped elephant in the room, which is, yeah. you know, Amy Polar. First of all, Amy Polar does appear in this and yeah. she basically fulfills the sort of uh, Alison Janie role from The Duff, I would say to an extent. But at the same time, she also played the mum rather prominently in Mean Girls. Very, yeah. very different character archetypes. But between the zine bearing an uncanny resemblance to the Burn book, this being a teen comedy with satirical edge, and the fact that Mean Girls was written by Tina Fey, Amy Poehler's best friend, you can't help but draw comparison in here. So what you effectively have got is Amy Poehler's Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't yeah. say that as a bad thing, but I think you can't escape that comparison. No, and I think the expectation because of that is very, very mm. high. So some people might be a bit like, "Oh, it's not as good as Mean Girls," but look, Mean Girls is like iconic, right? So it's very hard to to meet those standards. 
but they are trying for different they're trying yeah. for different wavelengths as well this i would say is a lot more dramedy based than yes, mean, girls. mean girls is a lot more comedy. That. yeah yeah mm. yeah and i don't think that's a bad thing i you know i think obviously high so the thing that gets me about this movie is that is the ages again like amy polar is like the mum of these like 16 17 year olds yeah she's probably you know early 40 i'm like how old were you when you had your kids like this is crazy and i think i think don't quote me but i think tina fey and amy polar are both on the cusp of 50 i no, think they look amazing i think i think they're older than you than you, than you believe really? they are Ugh, they yeah. go with that impression. That's the thing, right? So you think that they look a lot younger. So that was jarring me a little bit. But I liked, <laughs> I liked the fact that it was taking this kind of like right on kind of feel to, to the movie. And, you know, it introduces anyone like myself who doesn't know what a zine is into that kind of culture. And, you know, they were saying like, this is huge in the Bay Area, which you will have just heard from the clip. Like, it's, it's not something that everyone is familiar with, yet it makes it normalised as something that is, mm -hmm. you know, that works as, um, you know, power to the people who want to create something like this within their own sort of school settings. Well, I mean, first of all, this is based on uh, Jennifer Matthews' uh, novel, which I'm not overly familiar with. But the uh, the line there that this is popular in the Bay Area with the zine culture does kind of tell you that it is more of a hipster thing now, because yeah. obviously, you know, the Bay Area being what it is, um, the idea that it would appeal to, you know, 16-year-old Gen Z high schoolers makes the world of sense. You know, I expect, you know, actual audio cassette tapes to make a comeback any day now yep. uh, once they figure out they can't be hacked. Um, Hadley Robinson, who is a sort of a relatively unknown in the league, I think is great. Yeah. I think she's really good. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Alicia Pascal-Pena, uh, who I think is the TV show The 100 or something like that that she's from. I think she's great as well. She's the newcomer to the school who sort of befriends our lead, Vivian, and the pair of them have this sparky, punky friendship. It's very much in that way that uh, KD has with uh, Lizzie Kaplan's character in, in yeah. Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really solid film. I think Patrick Schwarzenegger is surprisingly well cast as... Yeah, he's such a douchebag in this. Yeah, as the, the douchebag, sarcastic, chauvinistic, but all around generally beloved high school jock slash bully. Yeah. And you compare this to the last time we saw him, which was in that uh, evil Drop Dead Fred movie that uh, Daniel has a plan or something like that, uh, which I, Daniel's lost his mind, something like that. And, and he was great in that. I think Patrick Schwarzenegger might actually be a better actor than we would expect of someone with that, uh, that particular surname. Yeah, and also... Just I, watch I, this space. Yeah, I really enjoyed as well the fact that, like, you know, the, the principal of the school, she's like... She's, there's an element of like 10 things I hate about you and, yes. and mean girls in that with the principal's character because she's just like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't understand social media. I don't really know what you're talking about. Like, and she's yeah, You're thinking of this is not bad. Dawson and the River kids hopping yeah. into each other's beds. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Like it's, it, that stuff made me giggle because it was so, so blindsiding of what she was well, like. Actually, yeah. I'm glad you touched on her specifically. First of all, that's obviously that's Marsha Gay Harden from Flubber and, and Space yeah. Cowboys. And, and for you and I personally, The Newsroom, which yeah. we're big fans of because of Aaron Sorkin. But there's there's so many great lines of dialogue that they give to the principals, Marsha Gay Harden's character. I'll be very quick so I know we're pushed for time. Um, that I think have such weight to them. And there is that line of dialogue in which she says, no, he's bothering you. 
he's not harassing you. Yeah. Because if he harasses you, I have to fill out a paperwork. lot more paperwork yeah. and it's a lot more serious a conversation. Whereas if he's bothering you, we can just talk about it here and, and move on. Yeah. And you're thinking, that's brilliantly worded and brilliantly uh, performed. That bit of dialogue has been, deliver- uh, been very deliberately and specifically delivered because there's a lot of heavy lifting being done in those words. And I thought that was the strength of the film. And I think that is the, the undeniable Amy Polarness yes. of it. Yeah. It is what you might say, polarizing. Aha! Oh, there we go. Ah. I think it's a good solid. I think it's a good solid one and three quarter thumbs up from me. Yes, um, I'd go with that as well. Three, one and three quarters, a perfect amount. I think. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's well worth your time. It's available on Netflix uh, now, so go and enjoy it. A bit of teen angst, a little bit of right on, and a, a whole lot of fun as well. So let's move on to something that's fun for all the family as well. Raya and the Last Dragon, which is available on Disney Plus premiere access from today so premiere access of course let's just cut through it and call that what it is 20 quid basically give disney give disney 20 quid on top of your disney plus subscription and you can watch raya and the last dragon and you know what it's worth it have you seen raya and the last dragon no you had the pleasure of this one no Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cost you 20 quid. I apologise in advance. Okay, Raya and the Last Dragon stars Kelly Marie Tran. Do you remember Kelly Marie Tran from Star Wars The Last Jedi? I, I was just going to say, I recognise the name. Yes, Kelly Marie Tran was the very engaging, very likeable young actress who got that role of a lifetime playing Rose Tycho in Star Wars and The Last Jedi and then had to give up the internet because a lot of presumably obese men with bad skin who live in, let's just say, their female parents' underground dwelling, we shall say, happen to object to a woman with agency in their sci-fi fantasy Star Wars franchise that was designed for children. Anyway, let's move on. She's now gotten the lead role in a Disney movie. It's the second Disney movie based around uh, an Asian female lead that's been shunted to Disney Plus and charged 20 quid for, but we won't dwell on that. It's the first animated one of these I can think of off the top of my head. And for 20 quid, you can see the story of Raya, who, after years of living in a post-apocalyptic Chinese mythology-infused steampunk dystopia, must unite with a long-dormant dragon named Sisu, voiced rather sarcastically by Aquafina, and must unite the broken pieces of a lost gem containing the last magic of the dragons before they were rendered extinct, leaving Sisu the only one. And all along the way, they must race against the clock to beat the other surviving tribes of their previous society in uniting the pieces so that they can claim all the magic power for themselves. But don't take my word for it. Here's another explanation. Okay, so we're gonna need some crossbows and catapults and, oh, what about flaming catapults? Or how about shrimp paste from tail, lemongrass from talon, bamboo shoots from spine, chilies from fang, and palm sugar from heart? We'll poison them? (laughs) No, we're not going to poison them, and we're not going to fight them. We're going to share a meal with them. Wait, what? I invited them. But they're our enemies. They're only our enemies because they think the dragon gem magically brings us prosperity. That's ridiculous. It doesn't do that. They assume it does. Just like we assume things about them. I'm going to ask you the question I ask about any animated feature film Mm -hmm. um, that comes out. Does it appeal well enough to the adult audience as it does to kids? 
not only does it appeal well enough to the adult audience, because it's very engaging, very likeable, the worst thing you can possibly say about this is that they have just remade Moana with Chinese mythology. That's all, that's the worst thing you can say about it, is they swapped Polynesian out for Chinese. That's it. Beyond that, not only does it appeal to kids, this has a very bold move at the centre of it. Disney have taken a swing for the PlayStation crowd. They have gone for the post-apocalyptic fans. They've gone for the people that play Borderlands and The Last of Us. People that like Mulan, people that like Moana. They've gone for everyone. And you know what? It's brilliant. I loved this. The animation is superb. Like Sisu herself, I'm, I'm going to say herself, because I, they don't specifically assign a gender, I don't think, but it's Aquafina playing Sisu, so I assume we're going with her. And uh, I, Sisu herself is brilliantly realised. Like, I really do think this should be for... Particularly, I would imagine, for instance, you're a little Asian-American girl. You're like a seven or eight-year-old, say, seven or eight-year-old little Asian-American girl. A, watching a, this. I'm a little Asian-British girl. What are you on about? <laughs> Don't call me. That. I know. I know that we can swap out a few few characteristics and build you out of this. But a little Asian-American girl watching this, you're going to be blown away by this in the same way that I would imagine. There's, you know, little girls of Samoan heritage who yeah. took to Moana, and you know, in that way, you know, like we always say that representation matters. Thing, I actually feel like this does more than Mulan does in a strange way. It's more seeped into, it's more baked into its cultural origins. It's more baked into pieces of its mythology. And I love that. There was a point at which I thought they might take an even bigger swing and finally, finally go for the LGBT love story. And they don't. But you know what? That's just the Disney trick. And outside of that, this is blinding. I think this is an absolute corker of a film. Spend the 20 quid... And, I mean, ignoring the fact that you can claim for that because, you know, we work in the media, I think you'll agree it was worth spending. I think this is a genuinely brilliant, all-out, out-of-this-world fantasy adventure for literally everyone. And if that's not enough, you've got a scene-stealing Benedict Wong in there. What more do you need? Oh, love it. Love it. Brilliant. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, I assume you're going to give this two thumbs up. Two very big, shining, golden, mouse-eared thumbs up. Two good recommendations that are out as your new releases on digital. So we've got Moxie on Netflix, Raya and the Last Dragon taking your last £20 maybe, but it looks like it's going to be worth it on Disney Plus at Premier Access. We'll be back very shortly with more movies on TV. Welcome back to Off Screen, and it's time for those films on Freeview for the week. So, Miss Perfect, let's start on Saturday then. Let's start tomorrow, as we often do. I was terrified I had the wrong week's script up there, because I've just been referring back to our previous one uh, for Paul Ross. Because I always use our Friday one on, on yeah. Paul Ross, so it messes me up. I've got the right script open, Good. thankfully. We, we have, in fact, talked about Moxie and Raya and the Last Dragon this week. I could talk about uh, Raya for ages. I love I'm going to watch that again. I thought it was great. But let's talk about a film I'm looking forward to seeing for the second time. Yeah. Because I loved this when it first came out. I don't know how you felt about it. I loved it. Saturday night, film four, 11.15. You loved it. Tell us then about A Cure for Wellness. Okay, so yeah, A Cure for Wellness. Dane DeHaan, one of my favourite actors like of recent times. Actually, I haven't seen him. He's really good. Um, And also Mia Goth as well star in this. And Dane DeHaan plays um, Lockhart, who is essentially an executive who gets sent to a wellness spa in the Swiss Alps to retrieve his company's CEO. 
and um, he encounters very strange activities that goes on within this spa, do we say in inverted commas, which makes him um, investigate the level of illness within the people. Did it hurt? Can't remember. Better that way. I saw you before. You a patient here? She's just so much younger than everyone else. Director Volmer says I'm a special case. What about you? Are you here for the cure? Actually, I was just leaving. No one ever leaves. I love how gothic this is, right? <laughs> I... Well, it owes a debt to Hammer, doesn't it? Very, yeah. very prominently. Yeah, absolutely. And like perfect casting. I mean, Dane DeHaan, he's, he's an interesting, mysterious looking uh, character anyway. And then Mia Goth is is goth, you know, she's gothic. <laughs> the ex-Miss Shia LaBeouf, you know, she's like, she's kooky, she's different. Is she the ex-Miss Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, she married. I did not know that about her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, I found I found out recently that Josh Hartnett lives in Surrey. Yeah, with Tamsin Edgerton. Is it Tamsin Edgerton? That's, yeah, and, and with Tamsin Edgerton, I'm like, what? wait, what? Like, oh, That's where Josh Hartnett's been this entire time, down the road? But, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Celebrity spotting is uh, is one of my favourite things to do. Anyway, um, going back to this brilliant film, uh, we've also got Jason <laughs> Isaacs in there as well, and also Celia Emery as well. And this is a really accomplished cast, a very mm. dark, slow-paced, unfolding movie that sort of gives you chills but never takes you into horror. I think. Now, this is the thing. I think he says this is horrifying in its own way. Ooh. Now, I would argue what you have with A Cure for Wellness, and one of the reasons I want to see it again, because I really enjoyed it when I saw it, but even I will say, having enjoyed it, that what you've got here is an alternative Shutter Island. Yeah, yeah. So on the one hand, you have Shutter Island, and you have Scorsese and DiCaprio, and on the other, you have A Cure for Wellness, which is directed by Gore Verbinski, yeah. who made the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You know, that's his kind of big, that's his, his big claim. I think he did Mouse Hunt as well, if you remember that with Lee Evans. And uh, and then you have Dane DeHaan, who has always been compared to a younger, less experienced, less accomplished DiCaprio. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see this happen. I would argue this is a more blockbuster friendly Shutter Island whereas Shutter Island in and of itself is a very blockbuster friendly it's a Scorsese movie it's designed to be cinematic so you know I would say more popcorny maybe slightly more popcorny Shutter Island I don't know how how well it did it bombed this cost 40 million to make made 26 uh got mixed reviews and did not make a lot of money but actually, I really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. I think it's. I think you should open open your eyes to this one, and you mm. might be surprised because it's on at the right kind of time. Film for eleven fifteen p.m. It should be on late at night. It should be mm. something that just sort of. I think it just creeps you out a little bit, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah. where are we going to go with this? That's what I really like about it. So that's on Saturday night at six uh, at, at eleven fifteen on on film four. That's gonna be a very different uh, viewing experience if that was showing on film four at six o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want to live in that world. That. That's the world <laughs> I want to live in. 
the world you probably do want to live in, though, is the next film that we've got, which, Van, you can take us through. It's uh, on BBC Two. Oh, my goodness, it's at midnight. Why? This is ridiculous. It should be on earlier. Uh, it should, but I'd imagine for language reasons, probably the only time you probably could broadcast it, you know, terrestrially, is on at midnight, you know. Uh, so this is In The Loop. This is the feature film spin-off of the TV show The Thick Of It. So this is, I believe, this is the first feature film from Armando Iannucci, but don't quote me, I might be wrong on that. Um, I'm sure he has a hand in something, he'll have written something before, prior to this, he'll have been the screenwriter on something. But uh, So this is Armando Iannucci's feature film, uh, you know, first stab. Uh, brings the character of Malcolm Tucker, I think he's the only character who carries over from the, the actual series. There's one or two supporting players uh, in there as well. I'm not sure if uh, Chris Addison is playing the same character or a different one here. And it is about a minister played by uh, Tom Hollander, not Tom Holland, Tom Hollander, <laughs> yeah. which again does imply the existence of a Tom Hollandist, if we're honest. But Tom yeah. Hollander, not Hollandist, is the MP, he's the minister who has uh, said the wrong thing during a radio interview on the BBC and this simple slip of the tongue leads to a political backlash that threatens to unravel his entire career through which he is counselled solely by the uh, practically Machiavellian spin artist Malcolm Tucker and believe me, finding a broadcastable clip of Malcolm Tucker took me about an hour and a half Judy and I were thinking that I could row back on Question Time tonight. You're not yeah. going on Question Time tonight. You've been what? disinvited. We've been prepping Question Time. Why wasn't I told about this? Why the f would I tell you about it? I've told you to f off twice and yet you're still here. You should tell me about it because it's a scheduled media appearance by this department's Secretary of State, so therefore it falls well within my purview. Within your purview? Yes. Where do you think you are? In some Regency costume drama? This is a government department, not a f Jane f Austen novel. Malcolm. Allow me to pop a jaunty little bonnet on your purview and ram out of the with a lubricated horse. Your swearing does not impress me. My, my husband works for Tower Hamlets, and believe me, those kids make you sound like Angela Lansbury. She's married to a I love Tom Holland. I want to watch this again. Um, this this is so British, so brilliant, so so very, you know, it, it just captures the mood and the moment of when it came out and was, oh, I think it was just brilliant. Very much at the point that it came out politically, it was, well, I mean, that's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's politics are so broad. Even though it deals with a specific incident, that incident can, can stand in for so many others. But this holds just as much political weight today as much satirical bite to it today as it had in, I think it was 20, I think it was 2009, I think, when it came out. I think this is absolutely tremendous. The only thing I'll say about it that I think ruins it for me is the cameo from uh, Steve Coogan, Steve Coogan's small supporting oh. role, which I think is just about the fact that he's too big and recognisable a star for this film. Yeah. Like, even James Gandolfini blends into this better than Steve Coogan does. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a really accomplished film. It's loved by so many of us Brits in particular for so many different reasons. Hell yeah. It's available available on BBC Two at midnight on Sunday. What a way to kick off your week. Why not start it literally at the stroke of midnight within the loop? Puts you in an interesting mood for the rest of the week, I would have thought. Um, moving swiftly on to uh, Monday... Oh, what a film we're going to talk about now. This is Hidden Figures. It's on Film 4 at 9pm. This was a surprise for me when I... Um when I first watched it. I think I, I, think I was on a plane again. Um, <laughs> when are you not? I know. Um, and I thought it was going to be more serious 
than it was. And in, it, it is serious, don't get me wrong, but the humour really makes it. So this is this is the story of, and, and it's based on the true story, of three female African-American mathematicians who play an incredibly pivotal role in um, a launch into orbit. So, you know, they, they change the game at NASA despite the discrimination that they face. Ruth, what's the status on that computer? She's right behind you, Mr. Harrison. Does she handle analytic geometry? Absolutely. And she speaks. Yes, sir, I do. Which one? Both. Geometry and speaking. Ruth, uh, get me the... You think you can find me the Frenet frame for this data? Using the Gram-Schmidt... Orthogonalization algorithm? Yes, sir. I prefer it over Euclidean coordinates. So Hidden Figures, which much to my disappointment was not in fact a scathing documentary about the cultural oppression that comes with the burqa. Still, a very insightful and riveting drama about, you know, civil, civil rights as relates to NASA in the 1960s, which, as far as Oscar-friendly movies go, you know, is kind of tailor-made. Like, this one could have come off yeah. the conveyor belt and just had the award slapped on it. Uh, great performances in there from Octavia Spencer, from Janelle Monet. Who else is it? Is it Taraji P. Henson? I want to say Taraji Benson. Yeah. Um, you've also yeah. got Mahershala Ali in there in a small role. I think Aldous Hodge turns up in this as well. Yeah. And, but, of yeah. course, the big supporting player. I think there's also... Uh, who's the, the Big Bang guy that I can't stand? Play the Muppet. Oh, Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. That's the one. Big Bang, big bang guy I can't stand. Play the Muppet. There's you go. There's, your, there's, your, there's our... Uh, is it Pictionary? What's the description game? Mad, not Mad Libs. Articulate. I think that's what's on the Wikipedia page, but you know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> my articulate clue for uh, for Jim okay. Parsons. Big bang Fine, guy, no played him up here. But of course, the big star, of course, is Kevin Costner, who you know yeah. is the representation of he's the he's the representation of the American ideal in this, as well as you know being the face of NASA. Effectively, yeah. came out at the right time. You know, I think uh, for all mankind launched not long after this. Uh, the story of these women also got chronicled in Legends of Tomorrow, an episode of Legends of Tomorrow around the same time i think this is a really tremendous film that's really really well acted and also really solidly written but i know you're a big fan i do i am and, I, and it is the humor that comes out of it because it softens it it softens you know essentially a race drama you know um a, a feminist drama it, it it softens that a little bit by giving these quirks within the movie and that's what gives it that flow that ebb and flow and that balance that makes it a very likable yet still award-worthy movie in a way so it for me it's it, it's an all-rounder it's got strength in every area from its acting to the way it's shot to the, the story it tells and the narrative and it does it does the classic thing of making you want to go and quite rightly so to google the real ladies afterwards and oh, to find absolutely. out more about who they are so look it hidden figures if you haven't seen it definitely check it out it's on film four at 9 p.m if you have seen it Go back and revisit it. I know I'm going to do that because I thoroughly enjoyed it first time round. So that is your first half of your selection of movies on TV. We've got A Cure for Wellness, In the Loop and also Hidden Figures. And join us for our next section when we join someone who might give you a little bit of an uh, aha in order to get you watching his movie. 
And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. How you doing? I'm not going to lie. I'm going a little stir crazy. I'm getting a little lonely up in here. You know, this this living room is, is getting a bit confining. You know, it's, the only person I speak to is you. You know, you're like my only friend. Well, that, that is true. I, I do realise I'm your only friend. And um, I think we could do with a few more friends, don't you, Van? I'm always in the market for new friends. Well, you got something for me? You got a way I can, like, interact with people? Do you know what? I've got a really good way that you can interact with people. I've got, I've got something that extends us beyond the realms of our wonderful off-screen podcast. Mm. How does that sound for you? This sounds intriguing. I am. In, I consider me intrigued. What you got? We got a sponsor or something? <laughs> consider me informing you about this intrigueness. So um, yeah, we've got the Stereo app. Uh, we are doing live off-screen sessions on the Stereo app. We've got brand new content. Yeah, it's going live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at five PM UK time. You guys, our friends, oh, there it is. our extended friends family of the show as I like to call it you'll be able to talk to us directly on stereo so you can join us on the stereo app for well Van's continued uncensored opinions on films and exclusive content as well because we're focusing every Monday Wednesday Friday at 5 p.m on movie news the latest movie news that takes us beyond your seven day guide to everything movies and gives you guys something new something fresh every other day of the week and gives Van someone else to talk to. (laughs) Indeed. And if there's one thing we've established, it's that I can talk. So we've we've had some fun with it this week. And the first two we've done already, uh, we'll do our after show, you know, live sessions and after show for this episode. So 5 p.m. today, we'll be up there. But we've done uh, Monday and Wednesday this week. We've we've covered some interesting topics. We've discussed the Justice League. We've talked about Melissa McCarthy in Thor. We talked about uh, the week weird buddy friendship between Aubrey Plaza and Michael Caine because no one saw that coming and best of all I think it was on Wednesdays we got to talk about uh, Hugh Grant being the villain in uh, was, it, was it Dungeons and Dragons yes yeah, the villain. I'm so excited for that so we pick your top movie news of the day uh, coming up as we go on live on that stereo app and the best thing is is that we're already getting brilliant questions from you guys so you can leave us a voice note question we will be able to answer it and listen in directly and and everyone else will be able to listen to your question too and you know what I'm already grateful for for people contributing to that. This can only get bigger and better. And you've got three days out of the week in which to join us. What's not to love? Exactly. And you know, the best part as well is, unlike most of uh, of our sponsors and adverts, to be fair, we don't actually have to charge anyone for it. No one has to pay for any any products. They just have to download the free stereo app from the App Store on Android or or, or Apple. Android or Apple, isn't it? Android or the App Store, I think is how they refer to it. (laughs) Just download the free app from the Android Google Play Store or the App Store. You can tell I only use an iPhone, can't you? Yeah. Uh, From the Google Play Store or the App Store. Download the app. You you create like a a cartoon avatar. If you've ever done a Memoji or anything like that, you you know the process. You know, just just create the right uh, hair color, eyes. uh, In my case, slim down the face a little bit. You know, uh, and that's it. And then literally, actually, I like that the mouth moves as yeah. we're talking. I, I, I quite like that. That's a neat little trick. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so obviously off-screen live sessions. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 p.m. Uh, we've done them this week. We're doing them next week. We're going to be doing them for a few weeks after that. We're gonna be, I think we're going to do them like 10 weeks in total. So come along, join the live sessions, get to know us, and ask us your questions. But more importantly, give me a friend. 
Looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news? Then say hello to The Daily Reel, your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings, hirings, firings, release dates, scandals, and everything else going on behind the silver screen. Delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower. Subscribe to The Daily Reel on all major podcast platforms or ask Alexa to install The Daily Reel skill for your morning flash briefing. Make your morning cinematic with The Daily Reel. Welcome back to Off Screen. I'm really excited to talk about this next <laughs> this next block of movies that we've got for you. We're keeping you on the couch with your movies that are available on your telly box on Freeview. Uh, Tuesday nine, uh, Tuesday the 9th, uh, which is on BBC Two at 11.30pm, we have the only movie that I can think of that had its world premiere in Norwich before coming <laughs> to London um, I think by helicopter the, 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 the star of the show came down and did this we're of course talking aha about the guy the man the myth the legend that is Alan Partridge and this is Alpha Papa um, Van tell us a little bit about Alpha Papa <laughs> So Alpha Papa continues the the legend of Alan Partridge, um, now working as a, a, a radio presenter. Is it BBC Norwich, I think? Mm. He hosts Mid-Morning Matters, which has become the character's sort of uh, fictional home for the past few years. Um, and one of his fellow presenters, played by Colm Meany, is, I think, laid off and decides to take the radio station hostage, forcing the police to rely solely on the likes of Alan Partridge as a negotiator, which, as you can imagine, can only go spectacularly wrong. Now, are you on any medication? Uh, just some cream. Uh, I've got very aggressive athlete's foot, but that's the only thing about me that is. And do you suffer from any nervous conditions, such as panic attacks? <laughs> do I look like I suffer from panic attacks? I've had one panic attack in a car wash. It was a perfect storm of no sleep, uh, no wife, and angry brushes whirring towards me. Um, by the time the giant hairdryer came on, I was in the footwell. Does the idea of weaponry trouble you? No, no, I've fired several rifles. I've fun fairs and won prizes, but I've never fired one in anger uh, or at a cat. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't with Alan Partridge. You just can't, I know. <laughs> because it's so... So it's it, there are the, there are the real partridges out there, and that's the there beauty are. of this. And and you know, Steve, arguably Steve Coogan's most most iconic character that he's ever played. Is, do you not agree? And I just I don't think that there's much competition. I think it's got to be his most iconic character, yeah. surely. Well, Hands down. I mean, what's what's he got otherwise? Like, I don't think anyone's pulling up his parole officer character yeah. as a particular standout. Well, fair enough. Yeah, but you know, yeah. it's, it's the thing that it, it's the thing that made Steve Coogan, isn't it? And it's the thing that's lasted year upon mm. year. And then, obviously, Steve Coogan's moved into more serious, brilliantly serious roles as well. He's a fantastic actor. Well, you and I, I think one of the last films we attended a screening of together was Greed, which was yeah. uh, January, February this past year. It was. Do you know why? Do you know why I remember that? Is because. Um, it was the last uh, cameo appearance of Caroline Flack 
It was, it was, and she had only just recently died, hadn't she? Yeah, I believe. She was, yeah. But uh, but I go with what you're saying. Steve Coogan's a very good actor, and I think uh, Alan Partridge is a terrific character in that he's endlessly usable. Like you yeah. can you can you can modify and repurpose that character for a lot of things. Alpha Popper is a superb satire and a pastiche of uh, just you know the, the general tropes of the hostage movie, as yeah. it were. But also, there's a lot in there that allows you to poke fun at you know the jumped-up security guard who thinks he runs the company. You know, it's it's the Arnold Rimmer archetype, and having Alan Partridge serve as that on a theatrical stage, particularly opposite the likes of Cole Meany, I just think is brilliant. Shout-out also for Tim Key, who, I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him at uh, Talk Radio. Tim Key is in this movie as well as Alan's sidekick and gets uh, quite a neat little uh, supporting role. I do recognise the name. Mm. I think you hit the nail on the head where you just, you you described it, it's poking fun. That's exactly... Exactly what this movie is and what Alan Partridge is. It's gentle poking fun at, at people that we all recognize. It's like the brilliance of what The Office did for The Office scenario. You know, he does this so well. It's just for us in, in local radio, it's just so. <laughs> And I will say, this this feature film spin-off did fare, fare a lot better than The Officers did, if we're yeah, honest. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. But look, there's so much love for Mr. Partridge. Um, Alpha Papa is on BBC Two at 11.30pm. Again, not the right timing for this BBC, but hey, what can we say? It's still a great movie for you guys to catch. Um, put it on record, watch it at your leisure, and just enjoy and chuckle and get some more positivity in your life, because it is brilliant. And speaking of brilliance... Five star on Wednesday, 10, 10 p.m. We got a little bit of John Coffee coming up uh, for you with The Green Mile. Oh, dreamy, isn't it? Oh, I know. I love The Green Mile. It's a film I can watch it over and over. I watch it about once a year, like clockwork now. About the same frequency as I watch Shawshank, to be really honest. If I watch Shawshank, I have to watch Green Mile straight afterwards, even though the films aren't connected, but the books take place in the same prison. Um, there's even a mention of Andy Dufresne in the book of uh, Green Mile. I mentioned the events of Shawshank Redemption. Like, he heard this story about this guy, you know, uh, in the next week. But uh, the Green Mile, Tom Hanks, uh, uh, Doug Hutchison, you've got in there, uh, half the cast of The Walking Dead, it seems, and of course, Michael Clark Duncan as John Coffey, the death row inmate in the 1930s, large, uh, usually, uh, I think he's employed, he's employed as a plantation worker, and uh, he is effectively accused of the murder of two small girls, which he protests his innocence. However, he's also hiding a particular set of abilities which feed into the mystery of just what led John Coffey to be in that cell. Your name is John Coffey? Yes, sir, boss. Like to drink, only not spelled the same. Oh, you can spell, can you? Just my name, boss. J-O. My name is Paul Edgecombe. If I'm not here, you can ask for Mr. Terwilliger, Mr. Howell, or Mr. Stanton, these gentlemen right there. Questions? Do you leave the light on after bedtime? Because I get a little scared in the dark sometimes. If it's a strange place. Oh, my goodness. 
that line. Just well, oh, no. I get well, I well up thinking of that line. Like it's just there's so much. Look, we're not going to spend a long time on this because you guys know how brilliant this movie is. We know how brilliant this movie is. Also, the movie itself goes on that long that we don't want to take up any more of your time that the movie could just be doing for us. Exactly, exactly. Let's not take away anything from its brilliance and and try and do it the justice Length. it deserves. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Green Mile, five star, 10, 10 p.m. Definitely worth your watch um, and time for that. As is our next pick. Um, I picked this because I, I watched this and really actually enjoyed it purely for James, just James McAvoy being brilliant in this. This is split on film for 11.05 p.m. on Thursday. Um, this is um, such an, a, an accomplished uh, performance because James McAvoy has to play 23 different alter egos in the Is it 23? I couldn't remember that. I couldn't remember the exact number. I remember it was a couple dozen, but yeah. yeah and, well, he might not portray all of them, but his character has 23 different um different alter egos because he suffers from disassociative identity disorder. Um and he ends up kidnapping three teenagers. Uh so they they basically the, the thing is is that this is an M Night Shyamalan um movie. And I think that director kind of peaks and troughs and peaks and troughs mm. with it. But this is kind of going back up to a peak again. I really, really love this. The, the, the sequel, not so much, but, but this original one is great. Shouldn't that We're here! Help us! We're in here! What is this? How many are there? No, 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 no. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't worry. I'll talk to him. He listens to me. He knows what you're here for. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows that. Mm-mm. Mm -hmm. McAvoy as Patricia, I believe, is the personality there. I will say, I mean, so first of all, th this film came out as a standalone film, you know, uh, produced by Blumhouse, I think. Uh, released by Universal, directed by, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Standalone thing that at the end has a certain cameo that then leads it to have a sequel that you wouldn't expect. That's kind of a twist reveal. Uh, so it's, it's the second part of a trilogy. Now, here's the thing though. This was already going to be the third part of a trilogy. Do you remember a film called Devil a few years back? No. Produced by M. Night Shyamalan, it was a part of what was going to be called The Night Chronicles. And this is still in the film. If you watch the film now, it still says The Night Chronicles. I've heard The Night Chronicles banned about. Yeah. These were a trilogy of films, disconnected films, produced by M. Night Shyamalan. There was going to be Devil. There's going to be a second movie that involved a courtroom and a jury. It was going to be set in a jury room, I think. And then the third one was, going, was what became Split. And, and this was the crux. Devil's the movie with the strangers stuck in a lift together and one of them is Satan if you remember that movie, yeah. which I watched recently. And you know what? Still holds up. Good performance from Chris Messina as the investigating officer on scene there. Big fan of him. And the guy whose name I can never remember, who's one of the supporting Sons of Anarchy. Worth a look. I think worth it, as you say, purely for uh, uh, McAvoy's performance more than anything else. Don't particularly rate Anya Taylor-Joy in there, but you know what? This movie's worth it just for that ending. Yeah. Like, yeah. if nothing else, just that ending. Do you know what? I'd forgotten that Anya Taylor-Joy was in this because she's such a sense... I mean, you know, Golden Globe winning, you know, sensation now. But I think, this, you know, this is early days for Anya Taylor-Joy and, and it's it, 
it's a it's a ra- rather forgettable part for her. But it, the film is all about James McAvoy. This is his movie, right? So that's what you go to see is like, what is he going to do next? How is he going to contort his body next in this? It's a pure like this is acting. Like this is real acting to get into it. It's a I, very physical performance physical, at yeah. times, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it, it's it's quite incredible and just shows how accomplished he really is. So split worth it for the ending worth it for james mcavoy worth it for for all many different reasons um and it, you can catch it at film for 11.05 p.m on thursday it's also worth it if you've ever seen a certain popular 2000 m night Shyamalan film starring a certain shiny headed action movie star from the 80s and 90s and a certain black actor who rose to fame through the work of Tarantino in the mid 90s if you're a fan of that particular film you may like Split anyway not to spoil the ending anyway uh, let's talk then about our Friday night pick I don't know if you'll have seen this one and it's one of my favourite ever viewing experiences anyway because I think I almost made a guy throw up on a train once Uh, it is uh, this is for my Friday night pick this is on the horror channel at 10.50 p.m. And it is the only Eli Roth movie. It's not a lie, one of two Eli Roth movies that I like. The other is The House with a Clock in Its Walls from a couple of years ago with uh, Jack Black, the children's fantasy magical adventure, weirdly directed by Eli Roth. The other is this largely dismissed cannibal horror film, The Green Inferno by Eli Roth, that stars Shock, his wife. And uh, he has this this thing now where he only seems to cast his wife in things. I'm going to have to look up her name because I can never remember. I know that the other actress who was in, who was starring alongside her in Knock Knock, was in fact uh, Anna Diarmis. So you know, I kind of owe Eli Roth for introducing me to that one. Lorenza Iso is the other actress in that. She plays the lead here. They are a group of sort of college age American kids who go to the jungle as you do on a holiday and they get captured by cannibals and can you vaguely imagine given that it's Eli Roth where this might go okay you hurt what did he do to you I don't know I don't remember cement escape she made a run for her we just we don't know if she made it okay. Alejandro, you know what this is? You know what they're doing to her? They're going to cut her. She'll bleed to death or die of infection. More days for us. You know in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the uh, the guy that gets everyone's hearts before they go in. Galima. To, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to, before they go in and they, they grab, before they die in that big inferno. The green inferno is giving you multiple of those characters, which is I'm looking at the images of this and I'm going, I don't want to watch this for that reason. I don't want to see that that stuff freaks me out, makes me feel a bit sick. And I think the, the poster for this of lots of bloodied or painted hands holding on to the lead actress's, mm. um, lead actress's face is just unappealing, Van. 
unappealing is what I'm going to say about this. You are not alone in that assessment. I watched this on a train several years ago on my iPad. Don't worry, I have the big size iPad. Anyway, um, and the guy sat next to me uh, couldn't help himself but watch over my shoulder and nearly made himself physically sick at what he saw. And I would argue that serves him right because it's rude to read over someone's shoulder. I'd argue it's even ruder to watch TV over someone's shoulder. Anyway... Green Inferno, I think is great. I think this is a really solid, really chilling horror romp. And, uh, oh, my nephew's just turned up dressed as a teddy bear for some reason. But, uh, welcome to work from home. Um, I do think it's a really great, solid, you know, chilling film, though. It's very unsettling. You will see horrifying images, the likes of which you never thought you would see in your life. But you will be terrified because you'll ultimately come back to the same position of, oh, my God. What would I do in that position? And there's really nothing else you could do but what the characters do here, which is, you know what? Strap on in and brace for the end. And it's going to be a very unpleasant dinner. Why you would do this to us on a Friday night, I have no idea. Ladies and gents, I take no responsibility for the Green Inferno uh, being put on our list for your Friday night. Don't watch it whilst you're having your Friday night takeaway. That's the only advice I'll give. No, and luckily for you guys, it's on at 10.50pm on the Horror Channel. So... I mean, uh, have a look at the images before you invest in this movie because that is, uh, that's what's going to cut the week from the chaff. Um, <laughs> right, coming up next, I'm, I'm going to have to move on. We're going to go from, from horror to interesting and mystical and magical next. Uh, we're going to have you guys join us once again for more movies on your DVD, Blu-ray and your streaming. We'll see you shortly. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're going to take you down the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle as we do now. And a film that I think we were both looking forward to when we reviewed it uh, only about three months ago, I think. The Craft Legacy is on DVD and Blu-ray from this coming Monday, the 8th of March. It is the uh, long-awaited reboot call to the... Well, I say long-awaited. It's the reboot call to this. I don't know how awaited it was. You and I were fans of the original. Neither of us was clamoring for a sequel or a continuation. But, you know, there's a whole generation now who've been born since the last Craft movie. So, yeah. So, go on. The Craft Legacy, which basically repurposes the formula of Outcast moves to, you know, new town, new school, makes new friends. They're all witches. It turns out she's a witch as well. Let's get up to some witchy business. And I'll I'll pass this over to you because I'm I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. But uh, let's just have a little uh, little snippet of what we're dealing with here. So how long have you been practicing, like... Practicing? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I I never, like, practiced anything before. Okay, so, like, when did you start getting a sense of your gift? Um, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> what? We're witches. Take my hand. It's okay. Come with me. We're going to learn a lot today. You're a witch? Yep. Yeah. You're a witch, too. <laughs> Where the original craft um, spoke to kids of the 90s, this is your Gen Z version of it. It's softer, <laughs> it's like, it's not as as gritty, I don't think. Um, it doesn't feel as mature, but it, it it's there's nothing wrong with this movie. I enjoyed watching it. Mm. I, thought, I thought the ending was pretty Buffy the Vampire Slayer-esque. Like, oh, you, sorry, do you, do you mean the ending or do you just mean the five minutes that take place at the end of the film? Yes, the five minutes that take place at the end. That third act that yeah. takes place in five minutes at the end of the Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, Very Buffy. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, good to clarify that, that the ending is not, <laughs> it's not the third act, it's the third three minutes. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like, like Jurassic Park 3. It doesn't have an ending. It just 
stops. He just crams a third act yeah. into, like, in, in the case of Jurassic Park 3, 10 seconds. In the case of The Craft, about five minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But you know what? Look, look. It's, it doesn't offend me, which I think was my biggest mm. worry about this. Yeah. Like, I love the craft so much. It, it, you know, it helped define some of my film watching of, of my youth. And, and this movie could have gone terribly wrong. And it doesn't. It just doesn't, it doesn't ignite you at the same time. It's just it's very middle of the road, which is fine. Do you know what? I can't possibly disagree with any particular point there. I think you've hit the nail right on the head with that one. I will I will add as well, because I think we said this when we reviewed it, that it's a very televisual experience yes. as well. It does feel like you're watching two episodes of The Vampire Diaries back to back. This is a shot in Vancouver, kind of kind of a shot in the suburbs of Vancouver where we get the nice tax breaks. And look, Duchovny's already here. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Duchovny just has his flat still there from the X-Files days you know, in Vancouver. And the other thing I'll say about it is if you want uh, a deeper dive onto the craft legacy and to a lesser extent uh, its predecessor as well, the Cinemortuary podcast did a very, very good episode. You've met Rob Yeomans. Uh, mm. we, went to, we all went to Bad Boys for Life together. Rob Yeomans, Chris Wilson, Dave Walker, three of them horror aficionados did this amazing podcast episode about... Uh, the Craft Legacy, and uh, Wilson in particular is a very big fan of the Craft, so it's, it's worth uh, worth hearing what they have to say. Yeah. Uh, about an hour long. I listen to their episodes every time doing a drive between uh, Cambridge and Leighton Buzz because it's the perfect length. Great episode. Cannot recommend you check that out highly enough. Cinemortuary, get on that. That is worth a listen. Let's move on to something a bit more with the times. If you or, or if you live in an area with better broadband, you could of course be streaming your films. We've got they're all older films. Uh, yeah. in the next seven days. So we'll talk about uh, some of these quickly. We've got a clip for one of them. Let's talk then about Monday the 8th, same day that you can watch The Craft on DVD and Blu-ray. You can switch over to Amazon Prime and stream another film that I know we quite enjoyed uh, watching at the screening at the time. Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, no, double it's XL? What are you going to call it? Double XL? Magic. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, look, I actually think this, in a way, is is more of the film that we wanted than than the original, in a way. Oh, it totally is. Totally yeah. is. Yeah, because the film of the original is a stripper movie with heart. This is a stripper movie, right? We don't want the heart. I don't. Want, I, didn't, I didn't sign up for heart. I wanted I the strippers. Wanna, I just wanted the arseless chaps. That's all I wanted. Exactly. <laughs> the arseless chaps. That is about the most British you have ever seen. I wanted the arseless chaps. Yeah, uh, that's all I wanted, and the cowboy hats, and you know, and making it rain with money, and that's what you get from this. Like, uh, funny enough, this is the movie that um, at the screening I invited my best friend to come with me as well to this screening, and afterwards I asked her to be my maid of honor for my wedding, <laughs> and it was absolutely perfect. Couldn't have planned it any better. Uh, I went out drinking for cocktails with friends after it just seemed like the thing to do after Magic Mike. Somehow we did not end up at a strip club, yeah. but uh, I love Crazy. though that where we had the screening was at the View and Leicester Square, yeah. right next door to where they now have Magic Mike Live. Which I have also seen, and I have to say is, is you know, brilliant. <laughs> I did, alas, I did not. Uh, Magic Mike Live was going to be my gift to my mother for her divorce party this last year. Wow. And sadly, COVID happened, and you a divorce what? 
got finalised in the middle of it. So we're going to have to do it afterwards if you want to join. You want to come along? We, we're a whole gang together. We're going out for cocktails and and to see Magic Mike live. So if you want to see my mother embrace her freedom, you can enjoy that. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I'd need to get like a heart rate monitor if I went and saw it again. Um, but I think it's very it's a very cleverly done um, done show, and um, those boys can dance. So let's move on swiftly because Magic Mike XXL is getting me a little bit hot under the collar. Just even thinking Oof. about it. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Van, also on Amazon. Can I, can I just chuck in on Magic Mike? I want to say that my, my favourite feature about myself physically is my backside. Like, I, I think I have a, I have a genuinely award-winning backside. I also have very shapely legs, but you wouldn't see that because both are always encased in denim. I will say, though, that I think it was the very first Magic Mike movie. I was uh, looking at the actor Adam Rodriguez from CSI Miami and thinking, what an annoyingly good-looking man. Yeah. And then he, he did a bit more dancing, and I watched him and I thought, Ugh, he's got a hideous posterior. I have a much firmer backside. I feel better about myself now. I needed that. Anyway, on to Edge of Tomorrow, which brings on, on <laughs> and Amazon the, Prime. That was the, uh, that was the Friday uh, afternoon in- information that I needed. Um, it was, it was. Yeah. <laughs> be honest, every time I go out to get us coffee from now on, you're going to be checking out my posterior. Anyway, let's start. We, I'm kidding. She would never do that in this in this day and age of, action, of, of, of actionable activity. Edge of Tomorrow is on Amazon Prime from Wednesday, the 10th of March. We both love this one as well, I believe. It's Groundhog Day with Violence. What more do you need? Um, this has got Emily Blunt. Is this? No, yeah, Emily Blunt. It is Emily Blunt. It's Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Bill Paxton's in it as well. You know why I, I get confused by this? It's because it had a different name. Wasn't it like Live, Die, Repeat or something? No, no, it's now Live, Die, or Repeat. For right. some reason, it's being put onto Amazon Prime as, as Edge of Tomorrow, despite the fact that even the director has come out now and said, no, the title is officially Live, Die, or Live, Die, Repeat. That's it. Because That's the sequel it. is going to be Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, it's okay, so confusing. I don't know why. Just it's just the one with Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise, big robotic outfits, and you can follow the titles of of ten Fast and Furious movies off the top of your head, but this one stumps you. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious requires actual math. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. But you know, some things <laughs> some things just don't go into my brain, and this is one of them. And it just really confuses me, and I don't even know what film I'm watching half the time <laughs> with this. But it is what it is fun. I do enjoy. It. Look, I'm a massive fan of Emily Blunt. I think she picks really good movies, and she knows how to portray herself brilliantly in them. And this is what, another example of that. So, you know, worth a watch. And she has my one of my favourite ever nicknames for a soldier in a movie, but I can't. I don't know if I could repeat it for Ofcom reasons. No. I will say Full Metal. Yeah, just it's Full Metal. Insert possibly derogatory. I think it is a derogatory name here, so don't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I think it's worth checking out. And if you've got if you if, you, if you've got the big 4K TV, and you, you know, stream this with full bandwidth and get the soundbar, the surround sound going. This is a seriously good time. Yeah. Uh, also, a good time. Not quite as good. A uh, bit of a letdown, but you know, worth it just for the fact that John Lith goes in it and he's perfect in it. Is the 2019 remake of Pet Cemetery, which comes to Netflix on Friday the 12th. One of two new movies coming to streaming on Friday the 12th. Pet Cemetery 2019. Uh, you know the story. It's the timeless uh, Stephen King novel about you know, I, I, Stephen King wrote it, but I'm sure the story existed long before King came along and you know cemented it on the page. It's been done a thousand ways from Sunday in other iterations since. It is we live behind a pet cemetery. The the kid's pet beloved pet dies. We bury it in a pet cemetery. It comes back to life. What happens when the kid dies and we bury it there as well? Well. 
you can have a wild guess purely based on the name Stephen King. What's going on? I wasn't ready to say goodbye to her. She's scaring me. Just tell me what you're talking about. It's my fault she died. I had to bring her back. There's a place rage deep in the woods. Beyond the pet cemetery. It brings things back. Are you happy, Mommy? I haven't seen this version of Pet Cemetery, but I remember some imagery from it. Is it the one where it looks like little kids are carrying, like... Oh, you're thinking of Children of the Corn. That's, that's Children of the Corn. Now, <clears throat> Pet Cemetery is, you know, the, the cat comes back from the dead and it's a monster. They yeah. bury the kid in the, the back garden. I think it's the, it might be son in the original version, daughter in the new one. Yeah. And it's the opposite yeah. way. I know it's the opposite way around from the original to the, to the new version. Uh, and you've got John Lithgow takes over, I think from Fred Gwynn as the, uh, you know, the kooky, old, kindly old neighbor. I will say this about it. When they announced they were remaking Pet Cemetery, <clears throat> my nightmare scenario, cynical, deadpan response to that news was, oh, really? Who's going to lead it? Jason Clark? And then wouldn't you know it, Jason Clark's leading the... Because whenever I need someone efficient but dull, yeah. you know, uneventful, Maybe someone who's workmanlike, who's going to get the job done, but he's not going to dazzle you or impress you... That's when Jason Clark shows up. That's why Jason Clark is the lead in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's why Jason Clark is in Zero Dark Thirty. That's why Jason Clark is John Connor in the worst Terminator movie. Because that's who you get. You get a guy who's a perfectly good actor, but he's just uneventful. And that kind of perfectly describes Pet Cemetery, to be honest as well. Good horror film, not especially memorable. Yeah, okay, fine. I, I, I might check it out. You know You'd watch it on Netflix. You'd absolutely watch it on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. So that's out. Mm. That's out next. Well, is that out next Friday? Week? Yeah, that's out next. It's out Friday. Friday yeah. Okay. Same day as our Amazon Prime pick to round off our week as well. Why yeah. don't you take us through that one? A different Jason this time. Jason Momoa. <laughs> Very different. Very different. Jason. <laughs> full of charismatic uh, features about Jason. Would Momoa. you call him uneventful? Would you I ever call Jason Momoa? No, I don't think I would. Um, but Jason Momoa is Aquaman, and. Um, Uh, uh, Hang on, say it the American way, the preferred way, Aquaman. O-C-K-Waman. Aquaman. That's how they say it. He's Aquaman. Aqua. No, it's Aqua. Um, (laughs) What are they I know, Aqua didn't sing Barbie Girl. Aqua did. Yeah, I love you. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, look, the CGI, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's the best movie I've ever seen with a drumming octopus. Best movie I've ever seen (laughs) with a drumming octopus. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I'm thinking back to when I watched this in the cinema. Mm. All I can see is bright colours everywhere. Yes. It's a very blue movie. It's a really... Very bright blue. And Amber Heard is... I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. it is it isn't meh, isn't it? Because the the problem is with DC, and when they bring in something, they, when they bring in someone like Aquaman or or you know Jason Momoa pushing this, the hype around this mm. is huge. And then you go and watch it, and you're like, really? You, it's actually quite shoddy as a movie. 
And it is. It is quite shoddy as a movie. Um, having said that, does have a drummy octopus. So take from that what you will. I will say this, though. In the same way that you can watch season eight of Two and a Half Men and visibly tell that something quite serious is going on in Charlie Sheen's life just by his physical presence and, and what you can read off of him. I'm just going to say that the poor quality of Amber Heard's performance in Aquaman does paint a picture. Just saying, does tell a story. I'm not saying what that story is, because there's a lot of allegedly's in there. Yeah. But there is a portrait being painted, and in eat Johnny Depp's crying. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying it might paint a picture of a certain beloved Hollywood star weeping. Anyway, Aquaman's on Amazon Prime from Friday, March the 12th. You can watch that at your leisure. Crack out the LED TV of Big 4K one and get the soundbar going. It's a very pretty film with lots of explosions. Also Amber Heard. So, Aquaman. Yeah. If you don't like colour, don't watch it. <laughs> if you don't like colour. If you don't like seeing red. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just colour everywhere. It's weird. You know my favourite thing with Aquaman? I was saying this to Miriam earlier. Is there's a moment in Aquaman, sorry, in Aquaman, when Jason Moa walks backwards out of the cargo door of a plane so that he can, like, skydive to the desert, whatever, and he says to Amber Heard, I never got your name, and then just drops out the back of the plane. And I'm sort of thinking, dude, you've been in two movies with this chick, and you clearly know her. Like, she knows you on a first-name basis. She knows your backstory. We've established this. It was in the previous movie. I get that you want to forget the previous movie, but we can't. We lived through Batman Superman. We lived through Justice League. We know what the crack is here. Sorry, we know what the Kraken is here. Should I say? Oh, there we go. There we go. Right. Okay. Let's let's wrap this up before you go off on a another sort of tirade about this. Um, guys, this was off screen for another week. This has been off screen, and we've loved bringing you all of our top movies. But that's not enough that we love just bringing you that because we're with you for live sessions every Monday, Wednesday, Friday as well on the Stereo app at five PM UK time, bringing you movie news. What of an added bonus. So don't forget to join us then. We'll be back next week with more movies on TV, movies uh, that are digitally released and out on DVD and Blu-ray as well. So for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor and we shall return. And don't forget, you can join Bex and I in our new live session format, only on the Stereo app. You can do that this week, next week. You can do this for the next 10 weeks, 5 p.m. GMT, on the Stereo app. Go on the Google Play Store, go on the App Store, download the free Stereo app, create an account. You can find Bex and I on there. I'm uh, just Van Connor, one word. She's just Bex, perfect, one word. Get on Stereo, join us, 5 p.m. GMT, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going through the film news. We're taking your questions. We're taking your comments, your thoughts. It's a fully interactive live session, only on Stereo, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. See you there.